Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, thanks for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday the 28th of June. Coming up, we've got details of a hit and run near Ashford, which has left a woman with terrible injuries. But first, a Dartford woman's calling for CCTV to be installed in all rooms in care homes after it took staff 20 minutes to realise her nan had suffered a fall. 92-year-old Dorothy Selwood tripped after getting out of bed at the home where she lived in Greenhithe. A camera put in in her room by granddaughter Samantha Thorne recorded her shouting for help and banging her walking stick. She was eventually taken to hospital but died 10 days later from a chest infection. Samantha's now started an online petition and has been chatting to our reporter Nicola Jordan about what happened. We were recommended the care home. It was close to us. She was originally um, at one down at the coast, which was too far um for us to visit regularly so we moved her up um to a care home called blossoms in greenhithe and um we hoped it would be a lovely place you know we have a friend's relative that was there and she said you know they seem nice they seem to be looking after my relative you know i think it'd be a good care home for your nan how did the cctv come about then we didn't really know what was happening with when she was within that room um so uh, we raised this to the manager who suggested um, for our own sort of peace of mind to put in a camera so that we could keep an eye on her better. When you saw this um, this CCTV, I believe your grand died on the 30th of May last year. Is, is that right? Correct, yeah. yeah. So, so what, what, how did you feel when you saw this quite harrowing footage? We didn't see it until the next day. Um, the fall happened around midnight. Um, I think we finally got a call a couple of hours later from the staff to say that they'd called an ambulance and Nan had gone into hospital. Um, no more real details than that at that time. Um, and then we went and checked the CCTV the next morning and, you know, were absolutely horrified at what we saw. We just couldn't believe how long she was on the floor for. There was two staff members there and I just would have loved one of them to sit on the floor next to my nan, hold her hand and say, it's all right, Dorothy, don't worry. We're going to look after you, you know, and they didn't. And it was heartbreaking to think that she sat there. You know, it was 22 minutes that she was screaming for help and banging her walking stick because she couldn't move screaming and banging for 22 minutes. So so why are you bringing this to our attention a year later, Samantha? It's taken me a year to be able to deal with it. Um, the whole year has been kind of just grieving. Now, you know, when I think back, I just feel that things should have been done differently. Things shouldn't have happened the way they happened. And I don't want any other relatives to have to deal with that. We've now since... Um, gained an awful lot of traction on social media which is now why this is all happening um and it's made me realize there's a lot of people out there in similar situations with similar you know incidents with relatives finally samantha um describe your grand to us tell us what sort of person she was my nan was <laughs> she was such a character she, she the pair home said that the lovely ladies that looked after her that we got to know said she was like a little rare sunshine in there. They loved looking after her. She was, she was very stubborn. She was fiercely independent and she didn't really want to be in a care home. But, you know, on the good days when she was there, she lit up a room. Um, we loved her to bits, you know, and we loved that we had her close by. 
so that we could see her regularly. Um, and she loved us visiting. She looked forward to hearing about all our, you know, life and what we were doing. She was just a lovely little frail old lady that needed looking after. Bosses at Blossom's care home say a thorough investigation was carried out at the time and the case is now closed. Kent Online News. Now a woman's been told by doctors she'll be scarred for life after suffering cuts to her face in a hit and run near Ashford. Nicola's got the details for the podcast. Well, Forrest Tozer had been travelling with her husband Zach when a driver smashed into the wing mirror of their car. They were on a rural road in Aldington at the time and the impact left the 26-year-old covered in shattered glass. It had slashed her face, which required 20 stitches. And what happened to the other driver? Well, they've never been found and police have now confirmed their investigation has been shelved due to a lack of evidence. Despite that, though, officers are still keen to hear from any witnesses and say anyone with information can contact them on 01843 222289. That's 01843 222289. They've also got a reference number, which is 12-1607. That's 12-1607. And just to jog in memory in case you were there at the time it's thought the vehicle was travelling at about 70 miles per hour on Frith Road when it happened on June the 13th at about half seven at night. Now it's not known what make of vehicle it was but it's thought to be black and forced Forrest and her husband to swerve out of the way. Kent Online reports. A court heard how a teenager charged with causing the deaths of four asylum seekers in the channel told police he was threatened by a people smuggling gang and forced to pilot the boat. Ibrahim Abar is on trial after the dinghy sank off the Kent coast last December. The 19-year-old's accused of negligently driving the poorly made vessel at an unsafe speed without proper equipment and with too many passengers. Those on board paid £8,000 each for the journey, which ended in tragedy. There are reports the UK's biggest water company, which covers areas around Dartford, could be about to go under. The government say they're prepared for a range of scenarios, with speculation the company could be put into temporary public ownership. It has £14 billion of debt and a potential insolvency would come at a huge cost to the taxpayer. Bosses say they're working constructively with shareholders to secure new funding. Minister Claire Cotino was on Sky News this morning, but wouldn't say exactly what action might be taken. I certainly think there are water companies like uh, Thames Water which are in difficult positions but I think our position as government is to make sure that we have the right policies in place to see consumers protected but also that we're dealing with things which are really important to the country like dealing with the sewage leaks. So what we've been asking companies to do is to make sure they're putting forward investment plans and then what we've separately been doing is helping households with their family finances through cost of living support. Those are the two things that government has been doing. It comes amid calls for South East Water customers to receive discounts on their bills as a hose pipe ban continues. From the start of this week, anyone found breaking the rules could end up with a £1,000 fine. It's been brought in after the company struggled to keep up with the demand during a heatwave earlier this month, even though enough water is available. Nicola Everett's been speaking to Catherine Jones from the Consumer Council for Water. This isn't the first time this has happened to these customers either, which just compounds the frustration. We know from our research that the thing that comes out as customers' number one priority and really a basic expectation is a safe, secure, reliable water supply. That is the minimum that you can expect from your water company. So to find that you're losing water, we all know things go wrong and you might 
have an outage for a couple of hours, but these are days without water, which is hugely inconvenient. Um, so as the company has said, I think you'll have seen the open letter from uh, Southeast Water's chief executive to all customers apologising and explaining what the company intends to do around fixing leaks, making sure that their infrastructure is more flexible in future and some longer term initiatives such as building reservoirs. It's good that the company is giving some assurance around the things that it is going to do. We will be talking to the company about those really immediate fixes as we need to hear those assurances for ourselves, for all consumers, that this isn't going to be something that we see more often. Uh, we don't want to get into summer, find that we get another heat wave and this happens again, or get to winter when things get cold and have another freeze-thaw event where the pipes burst because the ground moved. Um, so we will be looking for those assurances as well. We'll also be asking the company to let us know about lessons that it learned from the event that went on in December um, and how it's implemented those, what improvements it's made, and further what else it's learned through this more recent event, um, we quite often see frustrations from customers, not just about the fact that the water's gone off, but actually the communication that goes with that. Um, if you are informed, at least you're given a little bit of power back to make some choices. If somebody said to me, your water's gonna be off for the rest of the afternoon, I might make different decisions to if somebody said to me, your water's going to be off until the weekend. Um, so there's something to be said. We know that it can be difficult to give an exact fixed time, um, but at least giving people the information they need to make informed choices to get that little bit of power back and to know what situation they're in. And for customers, particularly during the cost of living crisis, all of our bills are stretching us. Um, our water bill being one of them, there have been some calls for bills to be reduced in the southeast water area because customers may or feel that they're not getting good value for money at the moment what would you say to that there does need to be investment in our network and whilst companies have investors part of that money does also come from customer bills there's a balance in the company itself in some cases um, so i don't think we can lower bills when investment is needed however we also can't drive people into poverty through this we can't cap investment at the level of those least able to afford it because that won't be enough to fix the problems but we do need to make sure that there are robust socially focused tariffs in place to protect those least able to afford it um, and this is one of the things that CCW we've done a lot of work with the industry on around affordability making sure that there are safety nets for people in place we're looking to try and align that across all companies so that you're not in a postcode lottery so that companies have the same kind of standards out there for what is eligible and um, we'll continue to do that but i'm afraid yeah bills are likely to go up kent online reports elsewhere today your courts heard a motorcyclist from thanet who refused to be breathalyzed by police already had 60 convictions for more than 180 offenses saheed camps was arrested in margate in january on suspicion of drink driving but wouldn't take a breath test the 50 year old from high street in garlinge has been fined and given a community order Workers at businesses directly underneath the site of a cliff collapse in Swanscombe say they fear it could crumble again. Parts of Lance Box in Manaway Business Park were buried when Galley Hill Road gave way in March. Employees say council bosses have advised them to leave, but without an officially served prohibition order, insurers will not pay out. 
Now, 700,000 children across England are said to be attending schools which need major repairs. A new report claims around one in three school buildings are beyond their planned lifespan. Earlier this month, five primaries in Kent were forced to temporarily close because of concerns about dangerous concrete in the roof. It's affected pupils in Ashford, Thanet, Sittingbourne, Hythe and Tunbridge Wells. Emma Wilson is from the National Audit Office. Our report looked at how well the Department for Education has built its understanding of the estate, both the condition of the estate, but also those safety issues that kind of lead to this major refurbishment uh, being required across uh, buildings. And it was looking at the extent to which they built that information to prioritise its funding and to support those responsible with the day-to-day management of the estate. What we found is that, that, that following years of underinvestment, the condition of the estate has declined uh, and is expected to decline e- even further, which has led to, for example, um, it a 9% increase in the cost uh, to get the estate back to a good condition. Most significantly, that we've identified some critical safety issues across the estate, both in terms of rock, a lightweight form of concrete, but also in terms of asbestos and a system build, which is a method for construction which was used between uh, the 1940s and the, the, the 1980s. Um, most significantly in terms of these, the, the issue, the safety issue uh, of, of RARC and also system bills, the department has included on its, on its risk register the risk that a, a, a critical or very likely risk that its buildings will, will collapse or fail that will cause death and injury. Having well-maintained buildings and space and also safe spaces for pupils to learn will have an impact on pupil attainment, particularly for those in in disadvantaged areas or those with special educational needs. And it also considers it has an impact on on, on teacher recruitment and retention. The Department for Education insists they're significantly investing in transformation projects. A Russian warship has been shadowed by a Royal Navy vessel as it sailed close to the Kent coast. Teams from HMS Mersey monitored the journey of Pericop, a training vessel that was spotted near Dover on Monday. It's armed with a cannon and machine guns. A Royal Navy spokesperson says it's a normal response to monitor warships from other nations as they go through the channel. It's thought a road in Canterbury could be closed for another five days after a sinkhole appeared in the middle of the carriageway. 40 Acres Road is shut from Whitstable Road to Rossacre Close in both directions while engineers work to fix the void. The hole, which is just outside the church, was sealed off yesterday morning and the road's not expected to reopen until Monday. Kent Online exclusive. The man behind plans to completely transform an historic fortress in Kent says many people don't know it even exists. The Citadel at Western Heights in Dover could eventually be turned into hotels, restaurants, art galleries and music studios. The site's made up of more than 50 buildings covering 33 acres. Our reporter Sam Lennon's been finding out more from David DeMinn, who's chief exec of Dover Citadel Limited. What would you say is special or unique about the, the Western Heights in general, overall, and to, above uh, expanding from beyond the Citadel? So, so the Western Heights forms one large fortification, so it's about a 300-acre fortification and it has had many uses over the years and the Citadel is one of the hidden gems within the Western Heights, so the Citadel, which we are calling this the Little City, La Citadel, which is a Latin term for it, has been one of the most strategic entry points, so being at the entrance of the UK, this is why it was so heavily fortified. Yeah. And Western Heights, you've got the drop right out just down the road, which they had, and again, an open day, which is why we had a great collaboration with the Western Heights Preservation Society. And for us, it's 
it's yeah. opening it up to the public and getting them to know about it because you know some people in Dover don't even know about this so we're working with some very exciting partners and we're looking forward to having more open days to welcome more people and get them to sense them get a feel of what this place is about. It's thought it could cost up to 100 million pounds to do the work. Students at the University of Kent have voted to ban meat from being served at catering facilities on campus. There'll be a transition to 100% plant-based food by 2027 as part of efforts to tackle climate change. And you'll soon be able to stay the night in lakeside cabins at one of Kent's biggest tourist attractions. Leeds Castle's been given permission to build four timber lodges along the banks of the Great Water Lakes. The site near Maidstone already attracts more than half a million people every year. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham's players have returned to training today to get ready for the new season. Their first match will be away to Stockport County on the 5th of August before they welcome Accrington Stanley to Priestfield the following weekend. Before that, there's a host of pre-season friendlies, including a trip to Italy and a match against Millwall. And in cricket, Daniel Bell Drummond has made history by scoring 300 runs for Kent in their county championship match against Northamptonshire. He reached the huge score in their first innings and still wasn't bowled out when they finished with the bat yesterday. He's one of only three men to ever score 300 in a single innings for Kent. The 29-year-olds described it as an amazing feeling. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via The Briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.